episode of NorCal and Shill. Today's guest is Tina Eisen. You can find her on Twitter at Tina underscore Eisen, which is spelled T-I-N-A underscore E-I-S-E-N. Her website is TinaEisen.com and her Instagram is at Tina underscore Eisen. Her clients include Max Factor, Sephora, Superdrug, Harvey Nichols, ASOS, Marks and Spencer, ITV, Amazon, Barbour, Canon, Profoto, Capture One. She does workshops in Europe and North America, and you can find her work on Super Rare, Maker's Place, and Foundation. Everyone, please welcome Tina. Hey, Tina. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I have a foggy day here today. It's a uh, I guess it was unexpected for us, but day's going well. Just starting over here. How's yours finishing up? Not too bad. So we had frost today. It was minus two degrees Celsius where I am in the mm. UK. So not great. And then I was working all day. I was shooting commercial fashion all day. Just made some really quick dinner, some omelette. <laughs> and then now I'm here with you, which is probably the highlight of my day. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you take the time and join me. I'm glad this is happening. Pleasure is all mine. So do you have a hardware wallet? Yes, I do. I got one at the end of last year. Oh, nice. Which is probably quite late because I started with crypto and NFTs back in February. So it took me long enough mm -hmm. to get one. But it's just such, such peace of mind. Once you have the thing set up, it's just... It's like a weight is lifted off your shoulders. And it was the first time that I actually really felt safe. Yeah. So I, that's one of my biggest tips to people. Please, please, please. Even if you think, oh, it's fine. I can, I can lose a grand. Don't be that person. Just, you know, be safe. Right. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It's way better. It's, you can sleep at night. And it's not a good feeling if you do get hacked, even if it's for a small amount. That's it. And like, it never feels good. And you just kind of like, I can just imagine, I mean, it's never happened to me, but no matter how small the amount, you would just feel completely violated and intruded, really. So don't let anyone in. <laughs> yeah, that's my tip. So what were your first thoughts when you heard about NFTs? I think I'm like most people, like people just a have never heard of it and b went, yeah, what is that? And I had to actually go and Google it. So I'm like, what is an NFT? A non-fungible token. First thought was, a what? <laughs> second thought was, <laughs> second thought was, yeah, that's a scam. That's surely a scam. <laughs> and then I kind of like looked into it more. And again, I was just over and over. I had the thought of what, so people are actually paying for your art and they actually value your skill and your you know your experience that 
surely still has to be a scam that can't be can't be real. And so when I started back in February, gas prices were still quite low. Um, ETH was at like $900 or something like that. So I thought, you know, it's not, I'm not losing much. I would just give it a try. Actually made some sales. So I, I quickly realized that not only it isn't a scam, but it's also an amazing way to find people that connect with your work on a different scale than we've done so far. And it was just an amazing feeling. And I just, it felt like a blessing. It was just something, I found this amazing community, like many of us. And 2020 was hard. 2021 started with NFTs and it was just, yeah, a complete blessing. Yeah. I mean, the name definitely is not helpful, but once you get into it, yeah. um, for sure. True. If anyone's listening, it's not a scam. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. How did you get into art? I think it's been all my life. I grew up in East Germany, so a country that doesn't exist anymore, anymore so communist Germany. And, you know, people's opinions and their self-expression was very, very limited back then. And my mom was a kindergarten teacher, like a kindergarten nurse. And she was always really, really creative. And she was not allowed to actually do that at work because the government would say, oh, what, you are painting autumn leaves on a wall. Don't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You're pushing your opinion onto the kids, that sort of thing. So most of her creativity was just at home. So we would do lots of arts and crafts and stuff like that. And I've just always idolized her and I wanted to be like her. And then I stupidly decided to study business. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the exact opposite of creativity and started a job in business as well. And I quickly realized that I needed just that creative outlet to express myself, um, to be happy. And so I picked up a camera and just started playing with it and became a photographer quite quick. Yeah. And I realized that I wasn't made for an office job or for sitting on a desk and I should just make creativity my job. So yeah, I think I just, I'm, I live and breathe art and creativity and learning and teaching every day now. So quickly after I discovered art for me and I just kind of like fast forwarded that whole path because I never studied art. Big camera brand called Canon went, look, your story is really cool. You just accelerated this whole journey like so, so quick. Do you mind doing talks for us and explaining this path to people? So people that haven't studied photography don't necessarily get discouraged because they don't have the educational background. Yeah. So that's how I started to get into teaching and I just loved how people would leave a talk or a workshop completely inspired to create. And that's actually the buzz in creating that I appreciate the most to just pass it on as well, to be able to do that. Oh, right. How long ago did you pick up a camera? 13 years. Ah. Yeah, 13 years. I was just playing around a little bit. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because I actually... I started shooting insects in my garden because I didn't know what I was doing whatsoever. And then one day I was just really, really cocky and applied for a freelance job at Amazon. <laughs> at uh. Amazon Fashion had an ad online and they were like, hey, you're looking to fr for freelancers. And I just rolled up there amongst hundreds of people and I got the job. <laughs> nice. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was literally sitting there like, they asked me questions like, do you know this software? Do you know Capture One? And I was like, Absolutely not, but I will learn that. <laughs> that was it. That was, that was the beginning of like having paid clients and yeah, that was it. Uh, that's awesome. 
like fake it till you make it, right? Right, right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. So what jobs have you done along the way? Ah, it's all kind of like boring stuff. Oh, <laughs> like I said, I studied business. So my first yeah. one was then in marketing, which wasn't even an exciting company. It was me marketing electronic scales and balances, which is, yeah, very, very thrilling. <laughs> and then just right after, I then thought, you know, I need something more, you know, people facing. And I quit that job and started as a hotel. It was meant to be a hotel sort of like assistant manager, but it ended up being a hotel manager because they just sacked their previous manager and yeah, I had to just be there like day and night. And I did that for a whole month before I was like, nope, that one is not for me either. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one that actually got me into photography properly, I wouldn't say it was a job, but I did a little bit of hair modeling on the side so I would be like on stage for big hair brands and they would dye my hair and cut my hair and that sort of stuff and the last straw of that was that I had my hair shaved off to like one millimeter live on stage oh yeah on one side it's probably quite cool it sounds cool but it wasn't I went home crying and that day I decided that I want to be involved in photography but not be in front of the lens and that's the moment that I just said like you know what I hate office jobs I hate this I hate that I just want to create I just want to be my own boss and yeah that was it I was I've been self-employed ever since that moment that's awesome how did you transition into the nfts you are creating so obviously photography isn't so much like animated that's just a still image and when I got into the world of nfts back in February everything that I saw was animated 3D pieces, 3D pieces, that sort of stuff. So I think NFT photography wasn't so much established yet or it wasn't spoken about. So I felt a little bit inferior with my photography and um, started just doing really simple little animations to the pieces. So I think that was the beginning of the transition. I mean, I quickly realized that photography is just as valuable and we don't have to add all these bells and whistles to it because what we as photographers add in terms of value is the story behind every image. So we don't need to, you know, be animators at the same time. But um, in terms of transition, I have become really curious in 3D modeling and stuff like that. So I've just started a little sort of like 12 week crash course. So I think in the next few weeks and months, people are going to see that transition a little bit more where I'm going to start introducing maybe, for example, props on my lips that wouldn't naturally be possible but i can create them in cinema 4d and then merge them into mm. photography that's the plan <laughs> mm. i'm looking forward to that me too <laughs> <laughs> if you were an animal what would you be and why question is actually super super hard because naturally people would just say whatever animal is their favorite so which <laughs> in my case is a cat but that isn't i think i'm going to settle on bees i would be a bee and the reason for that is because a i've always been fascinated with them they're just like one of the hardest working creatures on this planet and it's all based on teamwork you could yeah. never be a bee by yourself you you always have to rely on everyone in that team mm. and yeah i feel like they're just incredibly hard working and people overlook them a lot but they're actually heroes that keep this planet going Right. That's 
I would like to be a yellow and black caped hero, please. <laughs> <laughs> I like your reasoning behind it as well. That's very solid. <laughs> Do you have a favorite food? Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm such a foodie. So, I mean, <laughs> any kind of cake goes. Like, if, if it's sweet and baked, I'm there. But I think my two favorites in the world is A, mac and cheese. And I make a mean mac and cheese. Ooh. And B, tacos. I've sadly never had Mexican tacos, but Californian tacos, yum, any day. <laughs> what do you mean by Californian tacos? Uh, just, you know, the ones that you get in LA. They're good <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> but those are, that's Mexican food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but people still say like, oh, you haven't tasted anything until you have actually been to Mexico. But I'm already happy with right, the LA right. one. Okay. <laughs> miss them a lot. I hope COVID goes away and I can come over there and have some tacos, please. Definitely. Let us know when you uh, come visit. Yeah, let's go tacos. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've been given? Well, first of all, to get a hardware wallet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, I think a few years ago, I went to some sort of like motivational talk by a guy called Tony Robbins, with which a lot oh, yeah. of people know. Yeah. And there was one thing that always stuck with me. And it is the way he explained that you should never, like the goals you set shouldn't be out of reach. Like, I mean, the end goal, yes, but you should always break your goals down into smaller chunks because that way you can A, trace if you're still on track and B, they're way more achievable. So rather than going like, oh, I want to whatever i want to lose like 10 kilos or whatever like that's a big massive step instead of that just go look every day i want to do some exercise and try my best and that simple advice of breaking things down into like palatable bite-sized little chunks just to you know take care of your mental health and feel like you're achieving something i think i can't stress that enough and because so lots of people set targets or resolutions like new year's resolutions and stuff and they fail because they didn't keep track and they didn't you know like they made it too big like at the mm -hmm. time and it didn't seem achievable and then it just gave up also no new year's resolutions i don't really ever really do that as well because i just try and try my best every day like i find if you set yourself a goal and then you don't achieve it by the end of that year you sometimes feel like you failed and you kind of overlook all the other cool shit that you've done oh so yeah I've just stopped. <laughs> my only resolution is to to never leave the house without cat treats that I can give to stray cats and that's it. Ah. That's achievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't set New Year's resolutions either, I guess, because like, why wouldn't I have stuff throughout the year type thing? Just kick ass every day. That's all you need to do. <laughs> yeah. So if you could live or move anywhere, where would you live and why? Oh, that's another tough one because I have like favorite places all over the world that I just really, really love. Like LA is one of them. Then also I really love Central America. I used to live there for a little while and studied Spanish there in Panama. And then also I really love Asian countries. Like Vietnam is very, very close to my heart. Like the food's amazing. The people are amazing. So ideally I would love to be moving around, you know, and like see lots of places and see lots of places that I've never seen before but it's hard to pinpoint I know for sure that I need to get New York out of my system I think <laughs> I need to move there for like let's say six months and see how it goes mm. but yeah I think that's definitely on the list but I can see myself I've me I mean I've moved quite a bit like in my life 
because I was born, as I said, in Germany and now I'm in the UK and small countries in between. But I think I'm one of those people that just can't really sit still. So you so need, I found you need that to live on a boat. Maybe. <laughs> nice big boat with a cat and some cake. <laughs> yeah, as long as he's got an oven on board. Yeah, that's true. For, for cake making. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any questions for me? Yeah, you know what? I actually, it had to be a would you rather question. Like it just had to be. So here's one for you. <laughs> okay. Right. Would you rather lose all the money that you've earned last year? Or lose all of the memories that you've made? I'd rather keep my memories. Yeah. It's, I, I try to get like a really, really tough one. And especially like there's people out there that made like obscene amounts. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting one. Would you rather questions are always the best ones, I think, to get to know people. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, going, I mean, I'd rather remember everything and start from zero again it'd be hard but <laughs> but you know it's yeah. doable <laughs> yeah but imagine as well like imagine you sit there and you've got a crap ton of money but nothing in terms of enjoyment to show for it that would right. actually be really no friends <laughs> i know that would not be good exactly so if i gave you fifty thousand dollars to start your own business what business would you start Wow. Okay. I would probably start a little photo studio, which would, I mean, I've got a little home studio, but I would start one that can be hired out to other creatives. And yeah, I would love to just have a little dream place where everything is available and affordable for other creatives to create in there as well and like hire it out. And yeah, I think it would be something like that. At the same time, I do really like cake. So maybe it's a cake shop. (laughs) (laughs) I think. If I ever give up on on anything artsy, I'm going to open a bakery and a flower shop in one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All for right. now, maybe a photo studio. <laughs> maybe I can merge all three. A photo the, studio with cake and flowers. Yeah, you could make cakes that look like flowers and take pictures of them. There we go. Stop <laughs> recording now. We've got it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you were older? Oh my God, this is an embarrassing one. I wanted to be a vet because cute animals, like, you know, like every one of us. And then basically my mom, she doesn't mask her words whatsoever. So mom went, (laughs) oh, what do you want to be? I went, a vet. Mom went, cool. But you know, you get like called to like farms and then there's something wrong with like a cow and you're going to have to put your hand in a cow's bum, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I went, yeah, okay, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. And then, yeah, I didn't really, I think people that study business don't really yet have a plan. It's just like the safe thing to do. And I don't blame anyone either because at the age of 18, you have not found yourself yet. You just, you know, like study whatever seems the right thing and I think it took me up until like late 20s to actually really know who I am and what I enjoy doing and yeah so I feel like there can't be many people out there that wanted to be something as a kid and actually became that apart from maybe sports people they sort of like have that ingrained in them but right yeah how about you what did you want to be as a child (laughs) you know I honestly don't remember wanting to be anything specific 
Like I've always enjoyed lots of different things growing up. And I had that same issue with education. Didn't know what I wanted to be. Just thought I'd do one thing, didn't like it, tried another thing. And finally, that <laughs> I got a business degree. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, I need to finish. <laughs> I just need a degree. And business was straightforward. Wouldn't take too long. So that's what I did. And I guess it's not a waste of time because especially as photographers, I see a lot of people that they're hobby photographers and they kind of, there's a little bit missing where they take that hobby to a business. And I think maybe having studied business and marketing and stuff like that, that it does come in handy in like pushing your brand and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I don't regret it. <laughs> yeah, no, you definitely have a an advantage, you know, at least knowing some of the marketing and business behind it because a lot of creators are at a disadvantage with that. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn Spanish at the same time as part of that. It was like business oh. admin <laughs> in English and Spanish. And it was like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's learn another language while we're at it. Wow. <laughs> That's always nice. <laughs> so do you have any shout outs? Yeah, you know what? I would love to shout out to fellow artists and to collectors that have supported me like since the beginning so the two fellow artists one of them is Anna Isabel she is the founder of the NFT goddesses she's just an incredibly supportive and giving and kind person and we have actually become really close friends like outside of NFTs as well and we speak loads and yeah so big shout out to her and also to Chris, no creative abode. He is, again, like he's the Danish version of mm. that. He's just like all day long, he's just retweeting people and, you know, bigging people up, introducing artists to collectors and yeah, just all over. And it's just amazing that there's people out there that just spend their whole day just supporting others. And the same goes for the two collectors that I want to shout out. The first one is Mando, which he was kind of like the first person that, for me, was more than just a collector, more than just a name on a Twitter profile. He was actually personally invested in artists and wanted to, you know, it wasn't just, hey, let me buy your piece. Here's some financial support. It was so much more than that. It was advice. It was friendship. And I really, really admire that. And same goes for Luis, Luis Rosario from Portugal. He was one of my early collectors on Maker's Place. And ever since then, like, we just... We had a little bit of a drama. I love to tell the story. So <laughs> I, I entered a competition with Mando, got into the final. It was like a Twitter vote of four pieces against one another. So in that competition, I met Chris as in no creative abode, but also that no joke, 15 minutes before the finalists were announced, Luis Rosario bought that piece <laughs> that I had entered into the competition and I had to get it back off him within like 24 hours and it was just <laughs> such a crazy roller coaster we had, we were on the phone to make us place can you please transfer that piece back into my ownership like but he was so helpful so that's actually how we we were just on zoom like trying to work this out and yeah so that's how we became friends in the end so yeah it was that it was that little triangle of chris mando and lewis who are all met at the same time and we are like the closest people now oh that's fun <laughs> well tina Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was lots of fun. It was. It was. I'll have to do it again. 
yes, please. <laughs> and tacos. Don't forget the tacos, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next time. Who is this? Who, Who is, is this guy? guy? Who is this guy? Who, Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? North Cal guy. 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 North Cal and Chill podcast. Show. It's chill time. North Cal and Chill podcast. What the shit? The chill. North Cal and Chill podcast. Show. It's chill time. North Cal and Chill podcast. What the shit? The chill.